Hello, and welcome to the Faithbrook Church Messages podcast. Whether you're exploring faith, new to faith, or actively following Jesus, we're so glad you're tuning in, and we hope that these weekly messages will encourage, challenge, and inspire you. Life is not meant to be done alone, and our hope is that these messages will lead you into a new and thriving life in Christ. Now let's listen to this message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. Welcome to Faithwork this morning on this winter uh, Sunday. I think it's winter, but I'm not sure. I think everyone's kind of in flux about what's up with the temperatures in Minnesota. If you're watching us online, welcome as we worship today because we are in the middle of this winter season called God Strong. We find sometimes that we are not that strong in our faith. Sometimes our friends, family members see that, uh, that we have some discretions and some inconsistencies. And before we know it, it's a kind of a critic uh, from the world to the church. Hey, you guys are not always all in. And so we are using the book of Ephesians, the writings from the Apostle Paul, to get, reach our full potential in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about living strong in their faith. And remember, He's writing this book, Ephesians, from Rome. He's under house arrest. Uh, He loves these people back in Ephesus. He was their founding pastor. Uh, He believes in them. He also understands the situation that they're in. They're a minority. They live in a very secular city, very central city. Um, And they are writing some correspondence back and forth. And so he writes the book of Ephesus, uh, Ephesians, excuse me, um, to encourage them to live strong, to reach their full potential. He understands sometimes we waver about what our true identity is, our purpose. He reminds them that they are now seated with Christ Jesus. First and, sec- first and second uh, chapters. In chapter three, he reminds them about just the indescribable love of Christ Jesus. Just how wide and deep and far and high that the love of Christ Jesus, if they could wrap their head around there, they would live more free, more full in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, that God can do amazingly more than what we can ever imagine according to this dunamis, this power that is living within us. Now, he has to make sure that they uh, are living a ethical, Christ-like life. And so chapters four and five, he really talks about honing on Christian living. Last week, we talked about children of light, that we can or should be walking around with the light of Christ. And one of the identifiers of the light of Christ is love, that we have a lifestyle of love. We also know that there are things that sabotage uh, the things of Christ. So he talks about putting off the former ways of their life and putting on the new self, the new life of Christ Jesus. We have to be aware that there's temptations like our anger getting out of control. There's sexual temptations. There's morality issues. There is what we do with our words and our language, uh, integrity uh, subjects, on and on and on, including compassion and forgiveness. All these are sprinkled in to the Christian life to live far, far, full and to reach a, a good potential in Christ Jesus. We don't necessarily have to be perfect, but God is looking for authentic Christians who are leaning into him. Now there's a pivot in the letter. Now he's going to get a, a closer into the home, everyday life. In chapter five, he pitches 
pivots into um, work relationships. He talks about parenting, and then he's talking about marriage. Maybe he's getting some, some memos to say, hey, some of the, the families, some of the marriages are not doing well in the church, and he's going to give some inspiration and some help. Because we all kind of know that marriage is not easy, right? Uh, people come with different personalities. People come with different backgrounds. And we're all wishing that we would have, we can or had or have the perfect spouse. So what do we do with this marriage? What do we do with this relationship? And Paul wants our marriages to be strong, to, to live in a way that is authentic and vibrant. Now, some people have been married before and you're, you're listening to this or will be listening and you're kind of grieving a marriage that didn't last. Some of you are, are hoping, inspiring, maybe one day I will be in a marriage relationship and what can I learn? Some of you are like, hey, my, my marriage is doing great. Um, some of you are like, my marriage is not doing that great. There's a lot of tension. We're not sure how to operate, cooperate with each other. So Paul is going to give us a path and some components or really some actions to have strong marriages. And these actions are attitudes to propel us to have healthy, strong marriages. And the first action that he's going to give to these people, and that is the action or attitude of submission. In fact, in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, naturally, we don't like to submit. Uh, we kind of like to be the boss of our life. We like to be the boss of other people. A lot of times, and for us just to yield and let someone else, that's tough. In marriages, outside of marriages. So he uses this verse in verse 21 as a hinge from Christian living. Now he's hinging into really personal dicey situations, especially in marriage situations. So before he gets to the wives, some of you know where this is going, he's just going to generalize it to everyone. Submit to one another. He's talking about the church. Talk about maybe friends or uh, even in careers. Out of, here's the motivation, the reverence for Christ. Because it is in Christ that we get the motivation to stand down or to yield or to be submissive to some authority. Now, if you live long enough, you realize that this is an asset to be willing to submit, especially in a Christian life, because Christ wants to be the Lord of our life, the boss of our life. And a lot of times there is, is, is tension there that we don't want to obey God. But when we learn to let him be the leader of our life, the Lord of our life, <clears throat> life goes a lot better and there's miracles that can happen. We also know this in everyday life, <clears throat> in, our, in our society today, you need to submit to the United States government. You can either fight the government and not pay taxes, or you say, hey, that's part of living in America. We got to submit and pay our taxes. We also know if we're going to have a decent career, somewhere we're going to have to submit to our bosses. Do we not? We might not like them. We might not like what they tell us to do. But if you're going to have a career, there's, there's times where we have to submit. We also know that if there's flashing red lights behind us, we've been driving too fast, then you have a choice. You either can submit to the authorities, pull over, be cooperative, or you're going to get in trouble. Bad things will happen. It's just part of life. Paul is saying, hey, learn to be submissive. Learn to submit to one another. I know it's not easy, 
that all things are possible when our motivations in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now he's going to get to the, the marriage, the men and wives, and he comes to this prickly, dicey uh, passage of wives and husbands. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband and to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as the Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, submit to your husbands in everything. Now, this is, this is a tricky um, passage. Uh, there's two major components. We've got this wives that asking them to submit, but also he brings this headship up. Husbands, you're the head of the wife. What? What are you talking about? As Christ is the head of the home. Now, we live in modern days, and a lot of wives and women really bristle at this concept of submissiveness. Are you kidding me? That's what was happening maybe 100 years ago, and women were taken advantage of. They didn't have rights. They were dominated by by males or husbands, and and I'm not going to submit to anybody. And maybe in the last 50 years, there's been a rise of women that says, hey, I have more to offer uh, out there in the marketplace. I have some gifts. I have some assets. And for me to just be stuck in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant all the time, I'm not doing it. And we have evolved. We, we have now more of a equitable society that women have a place in our society. Uh, but so, so Christian marriages have to navigate this. And what does this mean, this headship thing? What does this mean to be submissive? It's tricky. A lot of scholars have, have looked at this this phrase about this husband is the head of the wife. Uh, maybe, maybe that means that uh, the, the husband's responsible for providing. Husband's supposed to uh, protect, uh, maybe bring some, some wisdom. But no matter how you look at it and dice it, most of them agree it's really about authority. But what kind of authority is he talking about? Is, is it the authoritarianism where you're dominant and you pull rank and you're like the head, like a CEO of our company and I'm the boss around here and so you need to obey, you need to do. Is this the headship that Paul is talking about that men should take and women just be subservient to that? Or is it a different type of headship? This, this submissiveness is really, uh, he's advocating for the, the wives to, to honor their husband, to, uh, uh, to uh, follow their lead, uh, to, to show respect to them, if you to will, uh, to, to uh, honor them. Now, this is not always easy because a lot of times we process this attitude or this action of submission through the flesh versus the spirit. We ask ourselves, hey, does my husband deserve my respect or deserve me to be submissive? Because, you know, two weeks ago he said this, and two months ago he made a wrong decision, and we're processing kind of logically, does he deserve my submission or me willing to yield? And many, it might be that he doesn't. But when we process it through the Spirit, we understand that Christ is calling us to live in love, this lifestyle of love, this Christ way. In fact, Christ demonstrated this himself. In fact, these roles of headship and submissiveness or servanthood, if you will, are seen in Christ's life himself. If we're trying to be like Christ, sometimes Christ calls us to be the head. Obviously, Jesus was the head of the church. Jesus was equal with his, his father. 
In Philippians 2, the apostle Paul wrote, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was there. He was up there with God, headship, authority. However, he made himself nothing in form of a servant, being submissive all the way to the cross. There were times where Jesus was submissive. We know that he took a form of a servant many times. Yes, he could have pulled rank. Yes, he could have said, I am the God. But he says, I've come to serve. I'm even willing to be submissive and yielded enough to go to the cross. This is what Christ is asking us to do. In fact, I've always said in this, this series, the life that Christ is asking us to do, to obey him, is going to take a power beyond us. And for some people, especially who are A personality, they're leaders, if you're a female, and all of a sudden you read this and hear this, it's super hard to stand down. It's super hard to say, no, I probably know the right decision, but I'm gonna let you lead husband, let you make the decision. It's hard. But all things are possible through the Holy Spirit. And we remember that Christ was willing to, to love us and forgive us and, and uh, help us in our weakness. Christ is asking us to do this in our marriages. In fact, the strongest marriages consist of two people seeking to live like Christ. Two people seeking to love like Christ. I know many people whose their spouse is not seeking to love like Christ. It's hard doesn't mean that we cannot do it. doesn't mean that there's not a supernatural power that can help us to, to love and to have mercy and to be patient and tolerate this person that's maybe rude or obnoxious, but God's calling us to love them. But when two people seeking to live like Christ, man, it gets better. Because a lot of times it's in Christ is telling us, hey, have you looked at your own attitude? Are, are you willing to, to yield? Are you willing to support and help the other person? Uh, in the comfort home, we've been married over 35 years, and this scripture, this ranking, uh, rarely pops up. Uh, maybe God has given me some ounce of wisdom to say, hey, you just don't pull this out of your pocket and say, listen, I'm the head of the home. Uh, especially not to my wife, okay? She wasn't raised that way. She's not going to tolerate that thing, right? But, but so how does this work? Well, rarely does, does, do, we have to, do I have to use authority to say, I'm the head of the home, follow me. Because if I'm smart or I'm loving, then I'm going to ask her what she thinks. And if there's big decisions that happen in our life, we want to know what's happening. It's the fool who says, I don't care what you think. I'm going to make the decision. Next thing you know, there's all kinds of breakdown, right? I mean, there's been a couple times where there's been some major decisions financially or especially moving with family and ministry and career. It's like, this is a major risk. What do you think? And what are you praying? And a few times it's just like, well, I'm not really clear. And I'm thinking, I'm not really clear. And it's kind of a 50-50. And there's been some times where she's just like, listen, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to just let you make the call here and follow you. If God's calling you to go here, be there, I'm, I'm right behind you. It's her way of being submissive. It's her way of honoring what God has placed in, in men's life to be the head of the home not to dominate, not to be the CEO, but to love in a way. And, and that's exactly what he talks about next. It's the second action, if you will, in a strong marriage, and that is love. 
Now he gets to the husbands. Ladies, you think you got a rough. Wait till he gets to the husbands. Now husbands, here's what I'm looking for you. You love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to the, present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Gentlemen, do you understand what God is asking us to do? That our responsibility and our honor is to present a, a wife that is not damaged, blemished, wrinkled, problematic, but there is a health, there's a wholeness, there's a joy, if you will, that we can present to Christ. And that's going to take a lot of work. And Christ says, husbands, love your wives as the church. And how did Christ love the church? It says he gave himself up for her. He died on the cross for her. Now, this had to be shocking for the ancient man, whether they were Jewish, whether they were Christian, whether they were Roman. And for, in the ancient days especially, it was super male-dominated. Um, <clears throat> women were almost like property. They were just almost slaves. Men had the obligation to um, you know, have other women on the side. And women were just trying to survive, have a man under them. And all of a sudden, there's a memo from their pastor that says, Husbands, you need, you need to make your wife such a priority that you love them like Christ loved the church. And you need to be responsible by their countenance. You need to be responsible by just their, their radiance. This is how much I want you to love them. I'm sure there's like, are you, are you kidding me? This was a new order from the men to raise up that level. Well, what about the leadership there? What about the headship? I'm, I'm the authority in the home. Not necessarily. What he's talking about is a godly headship that is, is about love, not leverage. See, godly leadership, godly headship as a man is about love, not trying to manipulate to get your way. It's about care, not control. It's about responsibility, not rule. Servant leadership. Everyone wants to work for a CEO or a leader who serves, who cares. They are the boss. They can make the calls, but they easily follow when there's a servant attitude, a caring attitude, not so much about love. So how does this play out? It plays out for husbands to learn, to be better listeners, to be a little bit more sensitive, uh, to consider what your wife is, is thinking or looking for. Uh, I know in our marriage, uh, we've had to learn a lot through the days. Um, uh, I remember there was a one breakthrough moment where uh, I started to understand some of her uh, comfort needs in her life, my wife, or felt needs. Uh, there's usually four things that most couples fight about. One of them is finances. Can I get an amen, right? Usually someone's a, more of a saver. Someone's more of a spender. And all of a sudden there's friction, there's issues. And, and so I was looking to, I don't know what it was, looking to, for something to buy something or expand something. And she was hesitant and was frustrating to me. What is your problem? Um, we're being wise here. We got the money. Let's buy this thing. Let's do this thing. You know, she's like, eh. And, and uh, so we had a choice. We could either say, you're wrong. I could pull out the, the, the authority card and say, well, I'm, I'm the head of the house. We're going to do it, right? But what's going on here? Because where she came from and how she viewed finances were different to how I was raised. And she needed a level of security in the bank, a nest egg, that I didn't realize. 
And some Holy Spirit moment came over me and I said, you know, it, it sounds like if you had a, a nest egg of silver amount, you, you'd be more open to spending or doing something. Yes. And I said, well, what is that amount in your heart and that gives you security and comfort? What kind of savings do we need to have for you to feel good about where we're at? Because that was a high need for her. It wasn't so much a high need for me, but for her. And she gave me that amount. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Let's, let's work together for that goal. Now, you promised me. I'm kidding. Uh, you promised me. But let's get there, right? Because that's a felt need for you. That's a thing for you. I have other types of needs, but that's for you. And all of a sudden, we were better with our finances. We were on the same page because I was willing to listen and feel where, where was her comfort, um, her, her felt needs, her security needs in her life. There's some other strategies we can love our spouses better. This all goes both ways, trying to understand each other. Uh, many years ago, uh, an author, Gary Smarley, came out with a book called uh, Love Languages, and he identified five love languages that most humans have. And um, uh, some uh, uh, humans, uh, spouses, really uh, identify with uh, receiving gifts. I mean, if you gave your spouse a gift, this would be a big deal. They, they like the presents. They like the candies. That just shows tremendous amount of love. They're just like, yes, I feel love. Uh, some of them, the acts of service. Uh, just, you know, helping clean the house maybe, working out in the yard. I appreciate that so much. For your spouse, they're like, man, I could tell you love me. And so the, the whole process here is to find out what your, your spouse's love language is. Some of it's just quality of time. Summer is like, hey, I don't need all the roses and this and that, you know. If you could just spend some time sitting on a sofa, just watching a movie with me, that's a big deal to me. Uh, your presence, that's what they need. Some are words of affirmation. Uh, just encouraging somebody, hey, you're looking great. Man, way to go. You, you rocked that thing. I appreciate you so much. That's a, a really big love language for some people. And then physical affection. Some people, man, just crave a, a hug. I just need you to hold my hand. I just need you to touch me once in a while. And I know that you love me. That's big for me. Other people, hey, don't touch me. I'm, not, I'm just not that kind of touchy-feely person, right? So it behooves us to find out and ask questions. Hey, what is your love language? And here's something. Here's a breakthrough. A lot of times we are trying to minister and love our spouses through our love language. Because we think, man, we really like getting gifts and special presents. So I'm going to do that for my spouse. And all of a sudden, they never receive it well. And it's like, what's your problem, right? Because we're going through our love languages. And by the way, usually our children have different love languages. And to take time to say, to figure out what is their, their wavelength here will make some breakthroughs. Can I give you another little strategy of how to love someone? especially when we don't agree on something. I heard a psychiatrist counselor a couple years ago. It's like a lot of times we, we have a problem. All of a sudden, let's, let's, say, let's say that's a discipline issue for our kids. <clears throat> and one spouse, I think we need to do this. And the other spouse is on the other side of the table. I think we need to do this. And there's a disagreement. And we're really trying to solve this, this problem. And all of a sudden, the problem becomes our spouse. Because we think their idea is crazy, it's overrated, and then we've got to change their mind. And all of a sudden, the, the problem is now us, we're fighting. Instead of uh, saying, you know what, instead of being on the off sides of the table, trying to solve this problem, 
Let's get on the same side of the table. Let me, let me almost physically or really um, emotionally, let me pull my chair around and look at the problem together. Let me see what you're seeing. Let me listen. Why do you feel that way? Help me understand. I don't understand. And, and is there any fears or is there any concerns? And will you listen to what's underneath my concerns, right? Why am I so adamant? And all of a sudden, there could be some compromise. All of a sudden, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I was looking from my side of the table. You know, you might have some good points there. Let me consider that. Now, let me pray about that. And all of a sudden, you're, you're teaming up. Instead of opposing each other, you're teaming up, and that the solution is there, not the solution of, of the opposite person. So this godly headship is about love, not leveraging. Finding out some love languages and serving our wives. The Apostle Paul continues on when he says, in the same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, not all men, but a lot of men make their bodies a priority, right? They're going to make sure that they groom themselves. They're big into their hair, right? They might want to even be kind of buff. They're definitely going to feed themselves because it's a priority. This is what Paul's saying to the husbands. Make your wife a priority. We got all kinds of things coming in our life, careers, recreation, opportunities, kids. Where are we making our wife a priority. And sometimes this is going to mean sacrificing. The guys are like, hey, let's all do this. And your wife needs to be taken out for a date. So where's that priority? Where's it on our our calendar? Paul continues on to give some more foundational teachings of marriage to help us live strong marriages. He goes on, for we are all members of his body. And then he quotes uh, out of Genesis, the first marriage, Adam and Eve, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church, this this oneness, this oneness, this one flesh. Um, Many times we see this as physical, this this oneness in in marriage, but there's also this vision of a oneness emotionally, of partnership. It's this oneness that God has in his mind that Paul is teaching about this of holy matrimony, a covenant relationship that I'm not going anywhere. I got your back. I'm never going to use the word divorce. I'm going to honor you if it kills me and this oneness that you can count on me. Now, this is also going to take the principle which counselors or preachers um, would, would preach about <clears throat> leaving and cleaving. For this reason, a man leaves, will leave his father and mother and be united. That word united means to cling. Uh, we are grasping. We are cleaving to something. I've discovered through the years that one of the four top problems of marriages a lot of times is family relationships. Can I get an amen, right? I'm talking about in-laws. Because a lot of times we have a lot of loyalties to our family who raised us. Um, they want our time. They want a lot of us. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, in a, we're in tension because we're trying to please mom and dad, but we married this person, and there's this tension. And there's a principle called leaving and cleaving. That somewhere, you have to say, you know, mom and dad, I, my priority is going to be my spouse. I, I, I'm leaving you, like almost emotionally, 
to make sure that I'm going to cleave. <clears throat> I'm going to unite to this number one. And that's how they rank. That my spouse, like it or not, you might not love them, you might even like them, but they're going to be number one. You need to understand this. This is foundational in a healthy, strong marriage that the Apostle Paul points out. So this godly leadership, these foundational principles of oneness under a covenant relationship of holy matrimony. And then he kind of starts landing the plane with the, the key scripture out of this marriage passage at verse 33. And that is about respect. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, respect is different than submission. Respect is honoring. It's, and having to do with uh, raising someone's maybe esteem or showing regard or giving consideration that I think you're awesome. I, I respect you. I want to honor you. Um, both of these take, both parties can do this, honoring and respecting their spouse. 20 years ago or so, there was a Dr. Emerson Eckrich who wrote the book, Love and Respect. It, it flew off the charts. It went around all the Christian circles. It was really about this verse right here, love and respect, the greatest expression of love. And when someone feels respected, they're more willing to love. And when someone feels loved, they're more willing to respect. And a wise and Christ-honoring husband will not take advantage of his leadership role and disrespect his wife. He'll love. The wise, Christ-honoring wife will not undermine the husband's leadership, but show respect to them. Can you imagine if, if a couple would be willing to practice these three principles and show respect that even though there might be some temptation to disrespect, to be sarcastic, to make fun or not follow, but say, you know, I'm going to respect you. I think respect really needs to be <clears throat> exercised in communication. How many of you think that communication is key in marriages? Absolutely. I think respect really needs to come into play, especially when the heat is on <clears throat> and there's tension and there's disagreement. I don't know about you, but it can easily, all of a sudden, you start escalating and frustrations come on and you are starting to use words. You're using maybe gestures that are not appropriate. And this is where he says to respect. In fact, I would grab a, a scripture out of chapter four where he says, <clears throat> if we're gonna be Christians, so we're gonna be authentic, we can't use unwholesome talk don't let any unwholesome, <clears throat> any inappropriate talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So can I ask you a personal question? In your fights, if you will, is there certain words that you say, I will never say that to my spouse? I know for me and Terry, there are certain words that are never come out of my mouth. I might be super frustrated, even angry, but God is not going to allow me, and I will not disrespect her by calling her certain names or even using certain phrases. These are out of line. You can fight, but you have to fight right. You have to fight fair. It's the words we, we might say, and there's words that we don't say. And it's not just words sometimes. It can be body language. We can disrespect someone with our body language. We can disrespect somebody with our tone. Can I get an amen, right? Put little barbs in here. This is what he's talking about, especially in those tense moments. 
And we certainly want to respect our spouse in front of the children. This is where they're getting cues in their life. This is where we're trying to model uh, not a perfect uh, marriage, but authentic marriage. And how we hold our mouth, how we respect, especially when we don't agree, will make go a long ways with our children. So these three actions Paul brings to the marriage to help them reach their full potential. Submission, respect, and love. Love is so key. And respect goes a long ways. And sometimes it's hard to yield and be submissive. But these are the actions of Christ. So can I give you a little bit of homework assignment for your marriage, including myself? Let's look at these three aspects, these actions, and ask yourself, how can we apply these to the next couple of weeks in our marriages? Is there times where, that we can ask God to help us to submit, to yield, that we're going to just allow our spouse to kind of make the decision, and then we don't always have to... Um, manipulate or leverage our way to get our wage and say, you know what? I'm willing to you to make the call. I'm going to trust you. I'm willing to yield to you. You do that. It's going to be all good. Where are some places that we can do that? I'm thinking about a, a power couple that I know. Um, well, she's more of the power than he is. Uh, in her public life, she has a lot of authority. She has a leadership gift. She makes right decisions and she can lead the way all the way but she's also more in love with Christ than she's more in love with her career. And she reads the, the book and she understands that Christ is asking her to submit to her husband. Her husband is more of, a, of a, a servant attitude. He's not a leader in the marketplace. And he kind of just follows her in public and helps her and supports her. But back home, the, the roles are reversed, that she stands down. She stands down and says, you know, I'm gonna honor you I probably know the right decision. I'd love to write them the decision, but I need to honor you. You're asking the husband's like, man, do I have esteem? Do I have any uh, quality here? Yes, it's my job as your wife to encourage you, to help you see your authority in this home. And they have a beautiful marriage, but it takes Christ for her to stand down, especially when she's a natural leader and especially a leader in the marketplace. You might take that home with you. How about respect? Are we, are we encouraging our, our spouse with words? Um, do we close our mouth sometimes when we want to disrespect? How can we honor them? How can we encourage them? And thirdly, the love. Love sometimes talks about sacrifice, that we give them our time, our presence, our, our ears. Sometimes love has to do with, hey, let me take some time to learn your love language. I want to honor you. I want to love you. And, and that will help me. Is it gifts? Is it just time? Is it just words of affection? Um, let me know as we learn to love our spouse better. You see, we have discovered that the strongest marriages consist of two people seeking to live like Christ. And sometimes we have to humble ourselves. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, you know, we might not have been having the best marriage and there might be some disappointment and some hurt. And God, is there anything in my life that I need to change? Instead of pointing fingers at my spouse and saying, they need to change, they need to clue in. Maybe it's us 
And when we lead the way in submission, when we lead the way in respect, when we lead the way in love, even if they don't deserve it, even if they, they, they've hurt us, we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do it because Christ did it for us. We can live that authentic Christ-like way. I want to encourage you to do your best in the next couple of weeks, especially those who are in the marriage relationships. This also applies to everyday relationships of respecting people, loving people, even yielding to some people, that Christ will help us reach our full potential. So why don't we, we stand and close in prayer and we can start right now asking and reflecting is there some things in our life. Gracious God, we know that marriage is not easy. We know even living like you, Christ, is not easy. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would touch us, that maybe convict us, make us awaken of some actions, attitudes that we do in our marriages that are not of you. Help us to lead the way of going first when it comes to submission. Help us lead the way, God, of of being a servant leader, of a godly headship, of honoring and loving our wife. And whatever we do, God, help us to live and exercise the practice of respect, respecting our spouse. We need your help, God, to live authentically in you. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Faithbrook Church Messages Podcast. If you're newer here at Faithbrook, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and hear your story. To connect beyond listening today, we'd love for you to join us in person, or if you would please go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect, fill out that form, and one of our staff will reach out to you soon. God bless and have a great day.